Welcome, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone interested in finding fresh new ways of doing work they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation, powered by Nuboco and sponsored by Nymeister Good, where we talk to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I'm Anthony Betters. And I'm Jessica Abdoni. And today's guest is Clayton Mooney, co-founder and CEO of Clayton Farms, originally Nebulum. He talks to us about indoor farming and a subscriber service where you can get fresh produce delivered right to your door. Yes, he also grows his food with no soil, and we'll get into that later. Definitely, and how he stole all his ideas from Epcot. So with that, let's innovate, Iowa. This show is sponsored by Nymaster Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nymaster's cutting-edge, positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years, Jessica. Yes, well, exactly. When I said Disney World and Epcot, I'm really scared now that the conglomerates of Disney World might come after us. So remember, it's Disney World TM. We did not create Disney World or come up with the name Epcot. That is all them. That is true. Hey, but... With more than 70 practice areas, Nye Master has attorneys with experts in all areas of the law, including corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor employment law, government relations, and litigation. Did you know any of those things that you just said? No. Okay. That is why Nye Master Good is awesome. So you don't have to worry about what all of those words mean because they have you covered. Many of Iowa's and the nation's most innovative companies work with Nymaster intellectual property attorneys to secure and enforce their intellectual property rights in the United States and around the world. So anything from business organization to tax, they have you covered. Hey, with all that being said, visit www.nymaster.com. That's N-Y-E-Master.com to learn more of what Nymaster Good can do for you. Good for you. Hey there, Clayton. Nice to meet you. My name is Anthony, uh, and we have uh, Miss Jessica. Uh, we were just trying to understand you a little bit better and understand uh, Clayton Farms. So can you give us an understanding of what Clayton Farms is, please? Yes. Uh, so thanks for having me. Uh, at Clayton Farms, we build direct-to-consumer indoor farms, and we own the supply chain from the moment we start a seed, fresh food on someone's doorstep just a few hours after harvest. That's all us today. Nice. And so Clayton Farms had another name. What was that? Yes, Nebulum. Up until uh, just about two months ago, uh, we were Nebulum. And we started as an entirely different business model, entirely different direction and trajectory. And we thought we ultimately wanted to become the John Deere for indoor farming. So Nebulum was much more of a food tech, ag tech name. And now that we're a consumer food farm ourselves, uh, Clayton Farms is a little better fit. I think it's pretty awesome. You put your first name, yes, on it. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty cool, man. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. How did you pitch that when you're like, okay, we've got this really cool name, but what about my name? And yeah. <laughs> so, so it was not my idea. Uh, anyone who works around me knows I would not have come up with that idea. It's uh, one of our investors had the idea as we expanded into the state of Minnesota recently with our second farm location, and. As uh, our investor walked us through how they had gone through iterations of their name and was a consumer-focused company, 
we started thinking more our co-founder and CTO and myself started talking about it and I'm the external uh, face of the company. And we said, you know what, this, this may work and this would be a good time for the rebrand. So then pitched it to the team. Instantly, everyone knew not come up with the idea, uh, but everyone liked it. And we said, okay, let's just send it. That's awesome. I, that is really cool. And I, I love that you are, uh, that people know that you're very humble and that that, went, <laughs> that wasn't the driving force to renaming it. But so for people who are not aware of, I mean, we are Iowa and we are farming and corn and all that good stuff. It's corn. Thank you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I told Anthony, I told him the other day that if he could get corn in there, that corn song that's been going on TikTok, that I'd give him 20 bucks. But I told him right before this podcast that I don't have $20 <laughs> with me. Um, but could you walk us through how indoor farming uh, works besides it being in the name that you just farm indoors? It's different. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so first, it sounds like an IOU for 20, Anthony. That's uh, hey, man, I take Venmo, Cash App, all that good stuff. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, Stop. so with uh, with indoor farming, uh, I kind of put it all in one basket of greenhouses, vertical farms, hot houses, all into the indoor farming industry. So essentially, uh, it's growing food indoors and usually environment setting. So a lot of people talk about controlled environment, ag or CEA. Specifically for us, we grow using hydroponics. So no soil and we grow in a fully controlled environment. So we control the temperature, the humidity and schedules, absolutely everything from nursery clear through harvest. And so I know at Nubuco, um, a big thing that we kind of preach is innovation. This is very innovative. Um, and so what, could you take us back to the mindset of when you first started, what gave you this notion of, Hey, I want to do indoor farming. Could you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so my, uh, resume does not make, a you just read through it. So, uh, I did not make a good student. Uh, I consider myself unemployable. So I've been self-employed most of my life. <laughs> Nebulum and now Clayton farms is my second food technology company I've co-founded. So I grew up farm in Southeast Iowa, uh, you know, traditional row crops, corn, soybeans. And when I left the family farm, I thought I would never do anything ag related, uh, ever again. Hmm. And, uh, of course, never say never. My start journey really starts with online poker and I was playing online poker. I was living in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I played poker full time for about five years and I met a lot of poker players turned angel and to tech startups and I had no business ideas or startup ideas of my own. So when I moved back to Iowa and Ames in 2014, I started meeting with startups around the area, looking to join one, didn't really come across, thought I could help or have the most upside with. So I ended up co-founding my first company, Kinosol. And I was co-founder and chief product officer. Uh, we focused on solar food dehydrators for farmers in developing regions. So I spent a lot of time in Rwanda. Uh, taking that from prototype through commercial launch. And at the time of focusing on Kinosalt, it was all about food security at a global scale and not in our own backyard. And I was blogging about building a food tech company, what was working, what wasn't working. And I had a friend from community college, Dana Poole, reach out to me and say, you know, food security and food production at a local level, starting in Iowa, really comes down producing food closer to consumers 
And I think most of indoor farming gets it wrong with how they've built their equipment. So I'm working on an idea. Could I pitch it to you to get some help on? And that was kind of the genesis of Nebulum. Uh, we set out to become the John Deere for indoor farming. And we thought we would design and build growing equipment and get that into the hands of indoor farmers and then license the software that runs that equipment to them for the reason. We never thought we'd become the, the farm today, but the market forced us to. Dude, that is amazing. It's and an, a, a, an awesome piece that got out of that is that you said you weren't the best student and you found and you kind of find yourself unemployable. And so for the young kids or adults who are kind of listening to this now yes. is that you can definitely, if you feel that you're in that space, find your own path, you know, kind of make your own thing. And that's something that, that you did, Clayton. And I, that's pretty mind blowing. I know if I could have heard that when I was a freshman in college with a terrible GPA, I would have felt a lot <laughs> more hope for the future. I also love that you got Dublin in there. I've been to Dublin and well, I'm, I was born in the UK. And so we, we definitely have to talk about that because I believe that farming and food is a lot uh, different than the US with just the oh, yeah. size of the countries. But I, um, I definitely can tell the difference with produce and milk and cheese. Um, so I have a question. Uh, so whenever I go to the store, it is always a game I play of seeing how far back I can reach to get the <laughs> further away expiry date. And even still, I mean, I'm not the most healthiest person. So sometimes I don't reach for those bell peppers until two days after I've purchased them, but they do seem to turn unedible in a very short period of time. So how did, um, did Clayton Farms kind of fix that problem? Yeah, for us, you know, the passion behind going vertically into the supply chain, you know, it really starts if you walk into a produce aisle and you look at any food sitting on those shelves, it's missing a third or more of its nutrients. And that's because it's older than three days post-harvest. And it's not the grocer's fault. It's not the producer's fault, but because they're all segmented, they can't fix that problem. So 95 plus percent of leafy greens, as an example, coming to the grocery stores here in Iowa, are grown in California or Arizona. So you're looking at a minimum of you know, seven days old into their 10 to 14 day shelf life. And so by the time you buy it, you get it home, like you mentioned, a couple of days in, want to, want to grab it from the fridge, it's already missing most of its nutritional value. Mm. And the supply chain, that's, that's definitely the passion that's driving us and just making sure that our subscribers have access to healthier food. Wow. And do you, so again, for if anybody misses, so where's your location of Clayton Farms right now? Uh, we have our first Iowa farm based in the Iowa State University Research Park here in Ames. Okay. And are you looking to relocate to Cedar Rapids? So we're actually looking to launch a farm there. That'll there be you our, go. Potentially our... Nice. Um, and so if anybody's looking to, let's say, looking for more fresh produce, do they have to go th through Clayton Farms or are you partnered with any grocery stores or anything like that? So look, so we actually have a, a couple of grocery partners. Uh, so East Hy-Vee here in Ames, Wheatsfield Co-op, they've been among our earliest supporters and they're partners for sales channels for a couple of our foods. Uh, we are piloting Cedar Rapids right now by offering an every other Friday harvest and delivery from our Ames farm. So if that subscriber base continues to grow and it outgrows essentially our pilot threshold, then that's when we'll be looking to actually launch a farm there. But our model is on direct to consumer and we operate as kind of a dark store or fulfillment model. Okay. 
nice. with your uh, subscribers, I noticed when I was like looking on your website. So what are the products that are available for your consumers? Question. Yes. So with the design and, and everything with our growing equipment, we've been able to focus on leafy greens. Mm -hmm. So lettuces, arugula, chard, uh, microgreens such as broccoli sprouts, radish, bok choy, and then vine crops such as our, our first vine crop is cherry tomato. But all in all, we can grow over 200 different foods before we need to go back and design new growing equipment. Oh, thinking of all the delicious foods I could make with that. So. Well, I only cook from a microwave, so I don't need any. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, but I have, a, I have a, a, a pretty good question in the sense of your business saw 40% growth uh, for each of your past five quarters. Can you kind of give us an understanding of how that happened. That's pretty substantial. Yeah, it's actually 40% month over month growth. Wow. Uh, not just quarterly growth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so basically what forced us into this model, which, which I think was a blessing in disguise was February of 2020, we had established manufacturing partners. They helped us bring our prototypes to life. We were building out this model farm here in Ames. And our plan was to have people come through tour and say, yes, I want this in my location. And that was going to be part of our sales cycle. So we had all of that set up and started hosting for tour out that, uh, that longer sales cycle, February, 2020, of course, next month hits pandemic happens. <laughs> no one's going to come on site for tours. And at that time we were subsidizing some of our costs just to keep the lights on by wholesaling to local area grocery and restaurants. Of course, restaurants shut down overnight. Our revenue went to zero. And we had six days before our next harvest. Mm -hmm. And we said, if no one's going to come on site for a tour, there goes our sales cycle for B2B and being. And we have six days to find homes for all this food we're growing and restaurants aren't open. What are our options? And so in the span of six days, we pivoted to becoming the direct consumer uh, fresh produce subscription. We realized you know, a lot of consumers weren't comfortable going to the grocery store. A lot of our average subscribers are a lot older, so they see convenience in the home delivery. And then, you know, we, we just had to throw that idea out to the market. We had good work. We, we made sure we used it as an experiment, uh, quote unquote. Uh, that way, if it crashed and burned, it was no big deal. Move on to the next one. And thankfully, it just started working with the, the subscription side. And then we that by going direct to consumer, we could learn at a much faster pace on feedback compared to working with restaurants or grocers. So if a subscriber got their delivery and said, Hey, uh, you know, I don't like the pea shoots, but I like the update that in the subscription, we were very hands-on with our subscriber success or customer service. And we've been able to just create a flywheel effect of just really happy subscribers because of the product and the service we provided. And that just started taking to 600 subscribers. Uh, today and over the last five quarters, 40% month over month uh, growth. I, I think it's pretty innovative that you took a horrible situation, an unprecedented situation and kind of turned it to be what your business model is now. And um, I mean, as much as we enjoy subscription services, I know I have several, um, <laughs> but to have that for fresh food come to your uh, fresh vegetables and produce come to your doors is incredible. Um, so if you... How many 
uh, people do you have that are working like with the indoor farming and then also delivery services? Are you in the back of a cute farm truck handing that out to people or is it like an Amazon kind of situation? <laughs> I'm just imagining like, you know, those like really cute old fashioned farmers from the, ni- the 1930s where it's open in the back and people have crates. And they're just yeah. passing along things to kids <laughs> with the song play. It's corn. It's okay, corn. Sorry. Yeah. There we go. Hire us for your marketing team, which is like, well, awesome. Whatever we can do for viral events. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, the you know it's interesting because to an average subscriber, we are an indoor farm. Uh, at the end of the day, all we need to do is grow. If we break it down to first principles thinking, but behind the scenes, our team consists of electrical engineers, software engineers, mechanical engineers, business development, uh, sales, marketing, horticulturalists chain, uh, data science. So it's, it's this hodgepodge. And I, I think that's one of our strengths. So we, we each bring different, uh, diverse backgrounds to the industry of indoor farming. But when we, we think, you know, that fulfillment side, we had to really start simple. So Dana and I were the ones doing the first deliveries and meeting with subscribers and introducing ourselves. So I'd introduce myself as co-founder and chief farmer. Dana would say co-founder and chief engineer. So we'd want to hear and as that's evolved, we've shifted towards contracting out drivers as delivery team members. And essentially when they go out the door, I'll be able to show this on the, the screen here. They go with this reusable bright green bag. It's delivered to the subscriber's doorstep and they pick up the previous delivery. So it's kind of like a modern day milkman approach. Yeah. Uh, we're very big on reducing packaging, reducing waste. Mm-hmm. And that's, there's a lot of overlap with our subscribers wanting that as well. That's I, good. I love a reusable bag. Oh, and it's favorite. bright. It, it, of course, it pops in the sense uh, for the Clayton Farms there. Um, and so, Clayton, can you tell me this here? This is the first time I've ever heard of indoor farming. Um, and with that being said, do you have any competition? Uh, so maybe this is a naive answer, but we put zero effort into competition. Mm. And, and I think that's because we're essentially just a we're a speck of dust floating through uh in terms of our footprint and how big we are as a company. Mm-hmm. So every moment, and, and any team member can tell you this, any moment that we put into competition is one less moment we get with obsessing over our subscribers and making sure to uh, a good quality food and a good quality service. Mm. Uh, Write that down. That So that being said, though, you know the industry of indoor farming, we really celebrate when another indoor farm announces a big fundraising round. I think that's good for the industry not it helps mature the industry and it brings more attention to the industry and one thing that we're doing that we hope other indoor farms can take part in is we decided to let all of our patent applications expire in july and we've moved all of our farm data to open source so we actually want to make it publicly accessible to anyone to understand how much food we have coming out of our farm as far as like weight goes and then the water usage fertilizer usage and electricity behind actually producing that food. And we think we can lead by example by open sourcing uh, our farm data. Wow. Okay. And then with that being said, since you were kind of open about your process, um, have you or do you think in the future that you might be able to hold some workshops in the sense uh, to maybe if somebody wants to do this at home? Yes. So that's something I, you know, having direct consumer and actually having the fulfillment be local, that's something to really be community focused. 
And so one thing that we've recently launched, I think we've had uh, four people go through it right now, is an indoor farming certificate program. We have a lot of people reaching out to us. Like I'm talking every single week, somebody, they are interested in controlled environment ag or indoor farming. Uh, they possibly just uh, wrapped up a master gardener certificate and need some volunteer hours, uh, some hands-on with seeding, transplanting, and harvesting. Of so we allow anyone to apply for that program. Uh, if we accept them, then they show up on site. We throw them straight in uh, with the, the farm team and they can learn all the ropes and learn the basics over 40 hours of working with us, which we can, you know, one week or four weeks or a couple months. Um, so do you, we're a big farming state. I don't know if anyone knows this, but um, Iowa is a huge farming state. And so I was wondering, do you have a lot of either pushback or maybe um, insight from other farmers about what they could, that like possibly doing that for the future, uh, just with everything going on from climate change to the size of farming? Um, have you ever collaborated or talked with farmers about the future of indoor farming? Yes. So early on when we had the original plans to become the, the John Deere for indoor farming, mm -hmm. we did pilot projects with other farms in Iowa who were looking to, they had space, mm -hmm. they wanted to rent the equipment from us and they were looking at, okay, well, as soon as uh, everything is done being harvested in the fields, how can you bring in more revenue? Mm -hmm. And that was originally part of our, was to go into areas with, you know, a uh, big focus on ag and show them they can diversify and just increase revenue and get to that year round production, which is key. But as we've evolved into the farm ourselves, I'd say we back uh, than we previously did, especially with growing in no soil, uh, you know, going direct to consumer. It's, it's just a weird concept of how we can do that year round in you know, the dead of winter with a foot of snow outside. So for us, it's a lot about a lot of the marketing is about the educational piece. Mm -hmm. So indoor farming means fully, you know, controlling that environment and having it be essentially a, a premier perfect harvest day, 52 weeks a year. Wow. So you, you've said these, these two things twice already. And, and after you said them, I kept trying to like think of the reasoning behind it. And so first question would be when you say the John Deere of farming, is that what you said, right? Yes. So when you say the John Deere for indoor farming, what do you mean? And then also, how are you growing these vegetables with no soil? Yes. Yeah. So the John Deere for indoor farming, uh, it was actually from Y Combinator team member, Michael Seibel, uh, the day before Y Combinator demo day. It was an accelerator we went through in California back in 2019. And we needed a one-liner to introduce ourselves on stage in front of, you know, a thousand people. And the way we arrived at that is ultimately we wanted to equip and empower new and expanding indoor farmers the same way John Deere equips and empowers, uh, you know, farmers all over. The and so that really stuck and that helped us to become more relatable as a one-liner without having to know anything about indoor farming. Right. Uh, that's completely gone to the wayside, of course, now that we're the, the farm ourselves mm -hmm. and, and focused on owning the supply chain. Uh, but you know, growing in no soil, I like to describe it as if you have uh, a garden at your house and you plant some uh, some lettuce out there and things are looking good and the roots of the, the plant are going in search of food and those nutrients that they actually want. So they have to 
uh, you know, push through everything else and avoid everything else. So what we've done with growing indoors with no soil, we allow access to the exact amount of food and the nutrients that they need, and then no more, no less. Mm. So it saves us a lot on the input. So we use you know 50% less fertilizer. Uh, we save one year's worth of water. A month we grow food in our equipment when compared to traditional methods. And that's just wow. because we're able to fine tune it down to you know, 0.2 gallons of, of water and what we actually need for the foods. If you, um, that's incredible. And I know with a environmental uh, impact, like you're just, I love the, the, the notion that you said you're just a speck of dust floating in a universe. And that is a great way to think of anything, but I just love the environmental impact that you're, you have that awareness of, you know, how much water it goes into farming. And, uh, especially now with reusable bags, like I, I love that we're all about sustainability. Um, I also want to clarify that Clayton did not get this idea from the ride at Epcot. I talked to him about it. So Disney don't come at him for that. I was talking to him about the ride and I was like, did you get that idea from, if anyone's not aware, there's like a little in the golf ball of Epcot, there's like the future of farming and it's all indoor farming. And, uh, Clayton uh, just just wanted to for Disney don't come at him. What movie is that from? It's not from a movie. It's from a ride from Epcot. Oh, you've never been to Epcot? Sorry, no. Oh my gosh. You know, actually, the the real story was I interned for him one summer. I took you interned from in Epcot. No. no. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, that was a joke, and sorry, it went right over my head. All good. I was like, back it up. I want to hear. Let's forget about this interview. I I did enjoy the ride. And it was, it was awesome to see uh, some of their setups and how uh-huh. they're growing foods were similar to some of our early uh, early prototypes and the equipment we worked on. So you just took notes. You were, you were like, what? this man came off the ride with copious amounts of notes. Like, That's right. <laughs> I love it. I also think of like the Mars movie uh, where uh, Matt Damon gets lost and now he has to farm in Mars. I always think of that when you uh, talked about I've seen that indoor one. farming. Clayton is like, why did I even agree to this interview? This is ridiculous. <laughs> that's actually to that point. Uh, that's somehow, you know, that's kind of uh, the genesis of our first name, Nebula. Really? So, uh, yeah, the early. So when Dana was prototyping and he was building at home grow units across the studies from NASA growing food in zero mm-hmm. gravity conditions using uh, aeroponics. And, sure. and it's, a, it's a subset of hydroponics. And so our very first shirts that are now feel like retro since they're you know five years old but our very first go to mars because we had a lot of people ask us why we grew this way and we said well nasa figured out how to grow it in zero gravity conditions we think this is uh, an efficient way to grow food Mm -hmm. and and that's how when we're thinking about the name nebula a new star in a gaseous state Mm -hmm. out you know outer space sci-fi nerd s and then new lom is sustainable in a few different languages so smash them together for better or worse, we got nebulum.com. I love it. And Mind just to let blown. you know, my movie references have never failed me. And that is just another <laughs> example. I That is amazing. I am uh, also a big space nerd. We're just talking about with NASA and asteroids um, just before we got on. So I love that that's kind of like the idea. And if you have, awesome. I hate that things older than five years is now considered retro. But if you have one of those shirts, I am a size medium 
or a large, just <laughs> can send that to me. I would so appreciate that. I'll see what I can do. I appreciate that. I won't give my address live on radio because I have a lot of fans, but uh, on podcast, <laughs> sorry. But um, I also just, you know, bring it all back. Uh, where do you see yourself in five to possibly 10 years? I know we're a floating speck of dust on the universe, but in, <laughs> in the case of yeah. growth. Yeah. So uh, when Daniel and I started the company, we knew it was going to be capital intensive because it's hardware, software, and living organisms. Mm -hmm. And so from the early days, we worked backwards from kind of industry and what we wanted to accomplish. Uh, so we are five years in, but I would say we're only a year and a half into this new business model and really focusing on being the farm ourselves. So it feels like an entirely you know new direction experiments. But over the next four to five years, we want to go from growing and launching in one market to many markets. And if we can accomplish that, I think we can bring access to reliable local food all across the US. But if we if we actually accomplish that that mission, at the end of the day, we have the opportunity to become America's largest farm, but distributed. Wow. Wow. And so when you say distributed, are you talking more in the sense of uh, through your subscriptions? Or, or what exactly do you mean by that? Yes, through having hundreds, if not thousands of farm locations mm -hmm. instead of a centralized approach. So uh, other indoor farms focus on 50 to 100,000 square feet. And when they launch that farm, they have an off taker agreement that it goes to distributors, then to grocers. Whereas in, since we want to focus on direct consumer, we've, we've targeted so one to 10,000 square feet instead of 50 to 100,000 square feet. So we can get a lot closer to people. Uh, within cities. Right. That's awesome, dude. And so with that kind of being said, uh, when you first kind of started with Clayton Farms and you said, hey, you know what? Let's start a subscription-based uh, business here. How did that kind of start? And then with that being said, with people here in Iowa who might want to have a subscription-based uh, business going, how would they be able to do that? Yeah. So with us having a perishable product, I should just put a note there that uh, we wanted the same day harvest and delivery and no other, uh, you know, third party fulfillment help us with that. So we were again, kind of just forced into doing the deliveries ourselves, which, which worked out well for us. Uh, but when we, when we pivoted and we said, we're going to experiment with this direct consumer model, I know recurring helps and it's it's so much better than just a one-off or marginal, especially for us trying to predict how much we need to grow and how many weeks out uh, somebody will be getting their delivery. So if you can add a reoccurring piece, whether it's paying for access or for the products themselves, it will help you in just understanding your growth and it'll help you understand your numbers from a lot earlier stage. For us on the recurring revenue piece, since we're venture backed, we need to scalable at you know, 50x, 100x, or 1,000x from where we are today. And if we didn't have the recurring revenue from each of our locations, direct to consumer, then you'd have to be growing all this food, trying to find buyers. It would shrink your margins. And at the end of the day, you'd probably have to throw food away as well. Mm. Yeah. I also realized that um, with you having no dirt in your farming, that there's less probably um, clean, like you have to wash your vegetables. Do you, so, okay, this is just a way off question, but now I'm like totally thinking about the subscription. When you get your vegetables, are they packed in like, I know they are in the reusable bag. So like, do you have 
like instruction, like care instructions for them? Like, do you have to wash them? Are they ready to eat? Or do you have to like, or do they have to be put in the fridge? Like, what is the care instructions for them since they're not yes. like farmed the way that we would get from the grocery store? Yeah. So since we grow in a controlled environment, we use no pesticides. Mm -hmm. And I like to joke that our software bugs, which can be pretty uh, bad. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, uh, so that, that's really helped us to, when we deliver the, the food and you pull it out of the reusable bag, we do have plastic packaging, but mm -hmm. we're always continuing to use that. Mm -hmm. So if you want to eat it straight out of the bag, you can. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do recommend too, that just, it's a good habit to be in to wash your, your fruit and veggies. Uh, no matter where you get them from right and then once we get the bags back from subscribe bags that way they can be reused continually okay and okay. so just our last question because i'm dying to know will you um as a vegetarian uh and i, I like to say this because i just like to be better than everyone else oh as gosh. a vegetarian <laughs> for more than 10 years uh oh, wow. what kind of Yes, sorry. <laughs> uh, what kind of uh, all your veggie options? Are you going to maybe go into fruit? Are you going to avocados? Because I know that is requires a lot of water for avocados. Um, and I know that there's only a specific window for a good avocado. And if you miss that window, you're screwed. So yeah. <laughs> are, is there any chance of expanding for different products that you have? Oh, yeah. So, uh, so one, yeah, veg on five years. And Congratulations. Uh, I, I like to joke that I survive off of what we grow at the farm. I just walk around with my little satchel <laughs> throughout the day and pick a couple of leaves of lettuce here and there. Hey, I'm trying to imagine that right now, Clayton, by the way. I'm trying to imagine that. I love it. <laughs> I can send some, some pics from the farm. I love it. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, when we started, it's the leafy greens, microgreens, and vine crops. Mm -hmm. And that's over 200 varieties. And we want to eventually grow everything you can find in a produce aisle. Mm -hmm. uh, to fruition, we have the chance to actually replace the produce aisle with healthier food year round. Sure. Yeah. And the most commonly requested outside of those three categories right now uh, is strawberry. Mm, and yes. we would love to be able to grow strawberries in the future. But for now, we're focusing on the leafy greens, micro greens, and vine crops. And how we actually decided to uh, choose what we're going to grow next comes from our subscribers. So our mission is to grow what people want. But behind the scenes, it's actually driven as a mission and that's because every quarter we let our current subscribers vote on what we should grow next and whatever receives the most votes we roll out as a limited drop in three months and if we reach a certain threshold we introduce food that's part of the weekly harvest year-round from all of our farm locations uh, so earlier this year in january we introduced rainbow chard that was voted on by subscribers uh, q2 was a really peppery arugula was a bok choy microgreen yeah. and then depending on when this airs uh, we'll probably already announced our 10th food as a limited drop which is beets microgreens that was voted on by subscribers that was definitely shroot from shroot farms of the beets there we go <laughs> yes well thank you so much for going to talk to us about vegetables and farming and the innovative uh, way of bringing fresh uh, veggies to your to the wonderful people in Iowa. We really enjoy talking with you. Uh, and thank you so much for coming. Yes, Clayton, appreciate it. For everybody's listening, shop and subscribe to Clayton Farms. Yes. Good food. Thank you both for having me. Keep building. Yes, sir. <laughs> appreciate you.
Thank you so much to our guest, Clayton Mooney, for coming on the show. Remember, you can find them at ClaytonFarms.com or you can find them under their old name, Nebulam, with two L's on social media. Be sure to go to their website to see how you become a subscriber for fresh produce being sent to your door. If you love our show, please subscribe and leave a review. Only five stars will do. Hey, and you can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog to find key takeaways summarized and detailed. This product is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. Finally, we sure would love it if you consider a donation to NuboCo. Your contributions to the nonprofit help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs across the state of Iowa. To learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. And now we are going to figure out what chart is and how we can put that into recipes. Yes. Oh,